Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Look, BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. They've got news, scores, and odds. They got you covered. And it's the best way to place your bets. And also, it's free to sign up. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website right now, BetOnline.ag. Or use your mobile device to sign up to it today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is only at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for so much for coming back into the pod. We're still talking Chicago Bears today, so I want to bring back a returning guest. So happy and thankful that he's here. It's the Windy City Gridiron Zone, Jacob Infante. Hello, Jacob. How are you today? Hey, Joe. I'm doing great. Uh, definitely a busy past like week or so, but I'm I'm really happy with you know just how the draft went in general from a Bears perspective, from a personal perspective. It was a lot of fun. Packers fans are pissed off. We got a new quarterback. What the hell is going on right now? So let's dive right into it. First off, I want to give you some uh, some props, and I want to give you a shout-out real quick. So when this is all going down during the draft, I'm just, like, hopping on Twitter. I'm looking up Shefty. I'm just refreshing over and over again. Your name just keeps popping up with some great information throughout that feed during the course of the week, so congratulations to that. And also just take uh, some of the listeners into the real time of uh, how your emotions uh, build and swelled as uh, we found out that the Bears were going to move into 11 to take Justin Fields. Yeah, so I was actually watching the first day of the draft at a friend's place, uh, which in retrospect might not have been the best idea from a pure content perspective because it was tough for me to like focus, but I was able to get stuff out uh, somehow, some way. But I had a sneaking feeling like as I saw Justin Fields fall down the board, I'm a little bit, I'm like, okay, are they going to do it? Would they go for it? Uh, I, I didn't really know for sure, but once I saw that, uh, notification pop up on the tv screen that uh the giants were trading out of 11 i'm like please be the bears please be the bears and then the second that i orange yeah the second that that turned or that that banner turned orange i was losing it i mean <laughs> like i i was there with i want to say like somewhere between 10 15 people something like that uh and like three or four of us are bears fans uh so we were all going bananas and everyone else is like what the hell are they doing? Why are they going so nuts? Like, and then I, I had a good, because I viewed Justin Fields in a much higher light than Mac Jones. And that's no slight to Mac at all. Uh, I just saw Justin Fields as a strong franchise quarterback caliber talent. Uh, and ultimately, I mean, I was really surprised that he fell out of the top 10, that no team was willing to jump that high to move up for him. But I'm really happy the Bears did. I'm really happy he fell into that situation. And so much had to go right for the Bears to came to come away with what they came away with. And I'm I'm just still impressed to this day. Uh looking back now, you know, recording this like six days after the draft. Uh it's still a little bit surreal to me because I was wasn't nearly expecting that to happen. I was coming in saying, Oh, they're not picking high enough to get their franchise quarterback, but they're not picking low enough to indicate that they've had success in the playoffs. This is the worst place for a team to be. And then they go in and, you know, blow away expectations. They come away with Justin Fields. They come away with a strong draft class that we'll, you know, dig into later, but just the Justin Fields pick alone. I feel like that really, you know, invigorated the city and just installed like this sense of momentum and excitement that we haven't seen in a while. I mean, yeah, momentum, hope, all that good stuff. And look yeah. like, I'm super happy that we have Justin Fields, right? But I'm with you where I was really terrified that the Bears were going to move up to four or even in that seven or eight area and give up what the two first round picks, some sort of second rounder, a whole, you know, a treasure chest of, of capital. And, you know, that got me a little scared. And you said you had Fields rated higher above Mac Jones on your list. But I think we're Bears fans. We're allowed to have some healthy skepticism. What was the percentage you know, for me personally, I saw the banner go orange. I'm freaking out, right? And I'm right there with you. First thought in my mind goes Justin Fields. But I'll tell you, in 2017, when when we moved up to two for whatever reason, I said, well, you know, it has to be for Deshaun Watson. There, there, There's something going on where we have to ensure that we get the guy who's the national championship. It's going to be Deshaun Watson. It wasn't him. So what was the percentage that when they're sitting at 11, 
did it enter your mind a little bit that you're like, oh my God, did they just trade up for Mac Jones or even, oh my God, did they just trade up for, for Davis Mills? You know what I mean? Like what was that percentage that, that had you a little scared? Yeah. If I had to put a number to it, I'd say probably 30% for Mac Jones. Yeah. Uh, 22, 24. I was like, oh shit. What have we just done? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was, I had, I expected it to be fields once they moved up. That was honestly my expectation because uh, you you compare Fields and Mac Jones. Uh, Fields has the much higher ceiling from an arm talent and an athleticism perspective. Uh, so that's just where I was at with that. But then again, I had a sneaking feeling, especially once I was watching it on ESPN. And once they started showing Mac Jones on the screen, I'm like, oh, no, 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 oh, no. And then like, uh, what have we done? Yeah. <laughs> And like, truth be told, I wasn't mad about the Bears getting Trubisky in 2017. Like I, it wasn't my desired pick, but it wasn't the, you know, I didn't hate it, but you know, I wasn't anywhere near as excited as I was with when the Bears got Justin Fields and will things pan out? I mean, time will tell, but I feel like he's a much safer pick than Trubisky was. I feel like he's safer than a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance. And his ceiling is, you know, just as high as, you know, both of those guys. So, yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple things, right. Where, you know, let's get into it a little bit where the arm strength is pretty obvious in terms of Justin Fields over Trubisky. I'm not a big college football guy. I'll be honest with you. I'm more of a professional sports dude, but you know, once obviously the wheels started falling off the bear season, I started watching some of these guys started like, you know, DVRing Trask and Wilson and Fields trying to get a, a feel for them all. Yeah. And you're just start watching fields and fields in that Clemson game. I think a lot of people watch that Clemson game and they got a real taste of what he's capable of. You know, you you make your bones as an evaluator and I respect it. So you can be honest if you want to. I mean, where did you have fields ranked, you know, among these quarterbacks and just talk a little bit about what you like the most about fields. Yeah, for sure. So it, it was really, really tough for me. I more or less had Zach Wilson and Justin Fields as two A and two B. I had them with very identical grades. Uh, I'll admit I did have Wilson slightly above fields. I had Wilson as my fourth overall prospect and fields as my fifth overall. So it's not like I'm saying, Oh, one of them so much better than the other, because I, I just love the way that Wilson is such a natural thrower of the football. I think he's got a slightly quicker release, a little bit more natural arm strength throwing off platform than fields does, but Fields is also, I think he's a bit more consistent in accuracy and he's more athletic. So you can really go either way there. Uh, I had a sizable gap between Justin Fields and guys like both Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. I had Trey Lance and what? I want to say like late 20s, early 30s on my board. And, you know, that's... If I may, was that because of just the lack of exposure, the lack of reps or, you know, also maybe some of the raw physical tools as well? Yeah, so... Lance being that low, I did have factors in that said, okay, he's an FCS guy. He only played one game in 2020 and he's, you know, one year starter with very few reps at either the college or the high school level uh, in terms of passing attempts. So very raw. Uh, But I I do think that he had a lot of enticing talents that, you know, say maybe he, if he started two years and he, the FCS was able to play in 2020, then I'd be looking at him as more of a bona fide first round talent. Uh, and when I say that, I'm not saying that Trey Lance shouldn't have been picked in the first round because I would definitely take him in round one. Uh, it's just that with my grading scale, I don't really apply too much into positional value. Like I'll give a wide receiver, uh, a quarterback, wide receiver, defensive lineman, all the same, you know, out of a hundred, whatever. So you know, that's just the way I look at it. Obviously, if you're in the NFL, you'll look at it in a different way. And, but I'm just doing this from a general pure talent perspective. So I, you know, try not to weigh in too heavily in that regard. So, yeah, I think that looking at Trey Lance and Mac Jones, both of the quarterbacks who were in play for the 49ers at three, Mac Jones is more accurate and he does a better job with pre snap diagnoses. Uh, but Trey Lance has a stronger arm and he's more athletic. Justin Fields has a strong arm, maybe not as strong as Lance, but he's up there, is just as athletic, if not more so. And he's very accurate 
and he's an intelligent thrower of the football. And I think that was a narrative that kind of spread that I disagree with that. Oh, he can't look past his first read. He can like, sure. He doesn't have a ton of experience there because Ohio state's offense is so wide receiver option heavy and, you know, relied solely on the receiver, making the call and the quarterback adjusting to it on the fly. I still feel like from an intelligence perspective, arm strength, accuracy, athletic ability, Justin Fields has all the makings of a franchise quarterback. And need I remind you, he's a two-year starter at an elite blue blood school who, and then he's dominated against top competition year in and year out. So I really don't see why he slid out of the top 10. Honestly, I, I, I just don't get it. I think he should have been the pick at three to begin with, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm super – I'm looking at some stats and talking to some college football guys over the last year. You know, he had a stretch where I think he didn't throw an interception in like the uh, – sorry, he didn't throw incompletion in the first quarter of games for like a long stretch, Justin Fields. Yeah. And when you're talking about pre-snap diagnosis for Mac Jones, I mean, that is all well and good. That does give him a little bit of a leg up. But rookie quarterbacks, what do you do? You go pre-snap confusion. You try and change the look on them pre-snap, and that's what you're going to do to every quarterback when they're a rookie – so Mac Jones could struggle at that just as much as any other rookie probably could. And that's just something that you need to kind of get the reps with. You get the experience with and everything, you know, Justin Fields seems to check every single intelligent box and then some, I mean, it's one thing to say a guy's smart. It's another thing to say you're at the top of his class. I mean, I think that's something that we need to make a distinction of where Justin Fields is that smart. I want to ask you, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, Lance went to three, and I looked at my buddy and said, oh, man, Mac Jones is going to fall. Yeah. And it takes pits at four. And then you go, okay, we got something really interesting on our hands. My question for you is, did the Lions, Panthers, and Broncos screw this up? For yes. themselves, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. are they going to look back on this in 10 years? Everyone's patting the Lions on the back for getting Penny Sewell right now. But he doesn't throw the football. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. you know, did they get this wrong? More so the Lions out of that group. I can't be super confused at because – like for better or worse, they want to give Jared Goff a shot and they were still able to get, yeah, <laughs> for worse. Yeah. Let's be honest here. Uh, can't wait to play him twice. Jacob, yeah. I can't wait to play him twice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Penny Sewell, in my opinion, is a blue chip offensive tackle prospect. And with that positional value alone and how good he is, how young he is, how much upside he brings, like, I get it. I mean, sure. We, you know, there's a strong chance that we could look back on it and be like, dang, why didn't the Lions try and take a quarterback to sit under golf for a little bit? Because odds are strong. They're probably going to do that next year. They're going to have to, you know, do some research on these 2022 quarterbacks because I don't see golf being, you know, let's just be real here, especially in the NFC North. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, we can just say he's a stopgap. He's not the quarterback of their future, and they're going to try and be competitive with him, and he can try and rebuild his value and maybe go somewhere else. That alone, if I'm the Lions, I would have taken Fields there, uh, but I I get Penny Sewell there just because of the talent that he brings. And the Panthers, I mean, sure, they paid a decent amount for Sam Darnold in terms of draft capital, and it's like, oh, we you know spent all this money on a quarterback. What are we doing? But Sam Darnold, he's been a starter for, what, three years now, and what has he shown? Very little. Like, I'll, I'll give him some slack in that, he never really had great weapons and he had Adam Gase as his coach, which, you know, says enough. I, I just don't see Sam Darnold truly being as good as Justin Fields at, you know, ever. Like that's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that, yeah. Like that's just my opinion. And sure there is a well, chance. They took a corner, stuff. right? And then, and then yeah. the was backed it up with another corner. And I, I'm just asking, you know, these could be like elite top shelf dudes, but how often do elite corners get drafted by their teams. And then after that fourth, fifth year, sign long-term extensions with those teams. It doesn't feel like that that happens very often. Right. And we've seen a lot of like top corners, like, especially recently, uh, like Jalen Ramsey getting traded. Uh, I want to say like Marcus Peters getting traded as well. well. Jamal Adams going top five, right to the jets. He ended up getting shipped at, you know, he didn't get a second contract with the team that drafted him. Yeah. And I mean, and we're going to see a handful of guys, uh, coming up here and Stefan Gilmore being another one, you know, a little bit older there, but he also uh, cashed in somewhere else. So there are, you know, names upon names that I'm sure I could dig into and guys that are still on their rookie contracts uh, or at least the fifth year or whatever, both of those teams, the Panthers and the Broncos, especially 
they are investing in what could very likely essentially be just stopgap quarterbacks. They passed on the opportunity to get a true franchise guy, or at least someone who has the potential to be uh, in Justin Fields. And I don't get that. Again, I'm really happy they did, but I'm just going to be saying down the line, I feel like this is the sort of thing where we're going to look back and say, why did they do that? Why did the NFL allow Justin Fields to fall out of the top 10? Like that just, I'm not going to compare it to a Patrick Mahomes falling to 10 or Deshaun Watson falling to 12, because again, those are very, you know, strong expectations to set for a rookie who hasn't even stepped foot on the NFL field. Uh, but it could be like that. I think it very well could be. I, I'm just excited to see what he brings to the table. Cause there's, there are much better weapons in Chicago now than they were when Trubisky was a rookie there's a more offensive minded system in place, a handful of uh, strong quarterback gurus, so to speak in that coaching staff. Uh, they have Andy Dalton in there. Who's a much better stopgap guy than Mike Glennon. Uh, they currently have Nick Foles. Who's also been around the league. He's intelligent, knows what he's doing. Justin Fields is in a really good position to succeed. And I feel like sure the offense could maybe add one more good receiver or, you know, add another offensive lineman or whatever, but I feel like there's there's talent there. There's talent there to surround Justin Fields with. So absolutely, I feel like that would be uh, – it, it's a good spot for him, at least for right now. And I feel like there's a lot to like about that landing spot and just what had to happen in order for him to fall to 11. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk about Tevin Jenkins, but then I want to definitely go through the rest of the guys. And I want kind of like a lightning evaluation for each of the dudes that we took in the draft. But Tevin Jenkins, man, I mean – this was the guy who, when the Bears were sitting at 20, I think Bears fans were trying to wrap their head around. I don't want to use the word. I've used the word boring before, and I want to get off of that. But it was kind of like a, a stable, ho-hum, necessity move. We have to get someone big and nasty. We have to get deeper. We have to get more talented on the offensive line. So we were pegging that guy at 20, and then we get him at 39. So we're living in this world where we sort of thought this guy was already going to be on our team. And now we're just stacking on top of Justin Fields. Just talk a little bit about, I see here on your big board, you had him the 21st ranked overall prospect in the draft. Bears got him at 39. You know, just talk about Tevin Jenkins. Did you like the price that the Bears had to pay for him? And, you know, how does he going to fit? And do you like him left tackle or right tackle right now? Because that seems to be up for debate. I will say that I do disagree with, uh, releasing Charles Leno if they had to free up money. I honestly would have preferred they cut Jimmy Graham. Uh, that, that's just my opinion on the matter, though. What's done is done. There's not, you know, there's not much use in, you know, debating either way. But I really like Tevin Jenkins. He was my, if they stay put at 20, he was my realistic top option. And I wasn't even 100% sold he was going to be available at 20. I expected him to go 17 to the Raiders or 19 to Washington. I didn't expect him to fall as far as he did. Now I heard that there was some sort of issue with a hip uh, that saw him drop a little bit, but regardless, you turn on the tape, this guy is absolutely nasty. And I feel like that's a bit of a trend that we, you know, saw uh, along with this offensive line uh, through what Juan Castillo has in terms of his vision for this group. Jenkins, you know, powerful at the point of attack, polished in terms of his footwork, solid athlete, maybe a little bit stiff in the hips, but he can accelerate to the second level well and moving in a straight line. He's really, really efficient, a uh, good down blocker, intelligent player. I'm, I'm a very big fan of the pick. Now the trade, I understand some people getting hung up on uh, because you, you're giving up a third round pick uh, and I won't. I want to say one of the sixth as well. And in order to get 39 and a fifth, I feel like that's a price worth paying for an offensive tackle of his caliber. Cause an, look at the offensive tackle position. They haven't invested in that position properly in terms of draft capital in like a decade. And the last guy to do that was uh, Gabe Karimi when Jerry Angelo was the GM. And I mean, obviously that didn't work out well, but they haven't, tried since then it's all been fifth sixth and seventh round guys and they hit on charles leno in the seventh round in 2014 which you know phil emery deserves a lot of credit for that you know and, and, Char and charles too for working his butt off 
to get to the spot when he got the opportunity to keep it for, you know, and be durable the last, what, five, six years. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like he deserves all the credit in the world for, you know, more or less overcoming the odds and not only sticking around in the NFL, but being a solid starter. And sure, he was, I wouldn't ever say he was elite at any point, but he, I, I wasn't bad. I feel like a lot of people get hung up because he's not like this big mauler who demolishes guys. He's a solid guy. He's a solid athlete, solid strength, good technique. Uh, he, he just gets in the way. You know, he gets in the way of defenders. Yeah, that's, that's a great way of putting it, too, where, you know, last year, I feel like especially after Nick Foles took over, what was like the main storyline running through Chicago Bears fans in Chicagoland area was the offensive line, right? And of all the guys that we were probably that were getting in our crosshairs, I feel like we probably heard Charles Leno's name the least, right? And he yeah. also had to be paired with Rashad Coward uh, at times on the left side. And I'm sorry, but Rashad Coward, was so brutal at times and Charles Leno had to kind of, you know, tandem that with him that I, you know, I think he probably did a better job all things considered, you know, than we probably think, you know what I mean? The fact you yeah. don't hear an offensive lineman's name means that he's doing the right job means that he's doing the thing that he needs to be doing just to double back, just real quick. When you say Tevin Jenkins is a little tight in the hips yeah. um, for the layman out there, for the listeners, does that mean that he's susceptible to speed or power or maybe both? Uh, yeah, so I do feel like as outside speed rush can potentially be an issue at times. I don't think that's necessarily a huge issue, though. Uh, I feel like more so in terms of like there's a difference between a you know waist bender and a knee bender, uh, so to speak. So a, a knee bender, I guess you could say, an offensive tackle who can get low at the point of attack and get his you know center of gravity low and get his weight underneath him to maximize that lower body power. Uh, I feel like Jenkins can get a little bit better in that. I feel like he can improve in getting low in his pads a little bit, but regardless, you're still looking at a guy who's strong to the point where that doesn't provide for very many issues. And is he going to be absolutely demolishing defensive linemen to the point where he drives them off the sidelines in the NFL? I saw that <laughs> clip. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe not as often, but he's he's strong to the point that I don't really see that as a major concern. Now, do I? I'll admit I like him better as a right tackle than a left tackle, and it seems like the Bears disagree with me and they want to move him to left tackle, which I'm intrigued to see how that works out. Yeah, I'm curious. I also want to ask you too. You know, they cut Charles Leno, right? They need some of that cash to sign some of the rookies. You're bringing in Damian Bird on a one-year deal. What is your take on the possibility of, you know, there are a couple, you know, we just saw a villain away of us sign with the Ravens yesterday. Is there a possibility that you might see, you know, what is it? Isn't, uh, isn't Schwartz and Fisher still on the, on the market from yeah. the Chiefs right now? Is it a possibility that we see a one-year prove it deal for a veteran on the left tackle side and the bears kind of just cross their fingers and hope that that stays healthy? Yeah. I mean, if they can find good value on either of those guys, I would absolutely be all for it. I mean, we saw Mitchell Schwartz. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had, like some sort of injury issue in 2020, but he was playing at an elite level, you know, for the past couple of years. And Eric Fisher also a solid left tackle, all things told, will they be able to afford him? I'm not so sure. I honestly don't know how much cap space they have left after they sign their uh, rookie class. They might have to make a move or two, uh, maybe another restructure, another roster cut, but I'd be, I'd be more than happy with that. If that's what the bears want to do. And if that's what those players want to do if they want to step in and say, all right, here's a one-year deal with a guy that, you know, we've worked with who used to be our offensive coordinator, uh, got a young quarterback, got the chance to really make some noise. If that such a possibility would be available, I'd be all for it. I don't know how realistic it is, but if it's possible, definitely I'd, I'd consider it at the very least. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, there's an opportunity for those guys. We'll see how the market kind of plays out, but you know, for us, it wouldn't be the money. It'd be more like we can, we can get you to start, you know, you yeah. can go anywhere and get money, but you're probably going to be a backup in a lot of different situations. You can actually maybe get an opportunity to start. I'm kind of looking at those Chiefs guys a little bit too, because same sort of system, maybe a seamless transition. So I know everyone's out there talking about, you know, Tevin Jenkins is going to be the left tackle. I'm just sort of saying, let's see how it plays out a little bit. Obviously the Bears surprised us a little bit by saying, signing Damian bird. There could be a couple other, maybe a little small tweak, little moves, that might yeah. allow Jenkins to start on the right tackle spot. 
Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, Canon Sunglasses. Now, my sunglass history, it's a little checkered. I like to live a funky, fresh lifestyle, but I'm always breaking my sunglasses or I'm buying that $10 cheap pair and then losing them automatically. Well, no more, I say. It is time to make your outdoor experience better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make your lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. And let me tell you, these Canon sunglasses, they are absolutely perfect for the golf course. So use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's right, CANONCAST15, K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5, Canon, clearly better. Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, Just Live, a trusted source for high-quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. Now, look, during this crazy time, maybe you're trying to get more sleep. Maybe you're trying to work on your energy. You're trying to protect your immune system. That's why Just Live came out with their brand new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors, sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. They're vegan and low sugar, plus they're founded by professional athletes, Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez, because they wanted to create a CBD product that they could trust and they could stand behind. It is finally here. So if you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I highly recommend giving these a try. And right now, if you buy one of their new gummy products, you get one free. That's right. There are six different benefits to choose from. Instead of just choosing one, visit justlive.com and use code support to buy one, get one free. That's right. Buy one, get one free of the new gummies in line with the code support at justlive.com. Now back to the pod. I want to get through some of these other picks with you because here's what I love. I, you know, following your Twitter feed, I'm going to read this off to you right now. Maybe we can kind of go one by one. You can kind of give a little nugget on each player, why you do or do not like them. And let's just kind of get to know some of these new Chicago bears, right? So you got Tevin Jenkins. He was ranked number 21 on your board. He was taken 39th overall by the bears. We had Larry Borum, who was taken in the fifth round at 151. You had him at 186. We had uh, the second, uh, the next one was 217. Khalil Herbert was 217. You had him ranked as 166. 221 Daz Newsom, 155, 228 Tom. I mean, it goes on and on. Let's go just through one each one. Let's start with Larry Borum. You know, what do you like about him? It felt like he's the only guy on this draft board that the Bears might have went ahead of your rankings. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so Larry Borum, I see a guy who's big, he's nasty, and he fits that mauler road paver mentality that I think we saw with him and Tevin Jenkins, the bears kind of shifting their philosophy along the offensive line. Uh, got a starting experience at both tackle positions and both guard spots at Missouri. So he's, you know, versatile. He can play just about anywhere on the line, which I really like. Uh, I did feel like he was a little bit stiff in the lower half uh, at Mizzou and lateral quickness, maybe not great. He does have good, straight line acceleration. I like him as a down blocker and like that outside zone sort of scheme that the bears uh, prioritized a bit more in the second half of the year. I think they'll go a bit towards that. And both of the blockers that the bears took kind of hint that they'll be doing that a little bit more often, but regardless though, I think Larry Borm, he's, he lost a bit of weight, which I think is good. Cause he was playing around like three 30, three 40 ish at Mizzou. And now he, you know, lost a bit of weight. So Conditioning, I think, should be better. Lateral quickness, I think, should be better. I like him better as a guard. I could see him competing for the right tackle spot with Jermaine Effetti, though. I feel like that's what the Bears want to do. Larry Borm said that he kind of prefers the tackle position. That's where he wants to play. Uh, whether that'll be the case, I'm not so sure. But I think that he has the chance to compete for a starting spot sooner rather than later. Uh, and at the very least, I'm he's a, a strong depth piece who can play just about anywhere on the line and bears fans saw what happens when their starters go down along the offensive line. You need as much depth as you can get. Regardless of what you think might happen to him in terms of a starter for bears fans, this is what we need, right? We need depth. We need versatility as you, you know, you excellently mentioned. And now you've got, you know, if you have a line, it's not Charles Leno anymore. So we'll see what happens on the left tackle, but the inside, you know, James Daniels, you know, Sam Mustafer. Cody Whitehair, Jermaine Effetti, and Tevin Jenkins, somewhere in some order. Now you've got a guy like Alex Bars. You know, you've got a guy like Larry Barham. You have some depth there where when you're bringing some new guys in, it isn't necessarily, you know, the roof isn't going to necessarily cave in a little bit. And I'm with you. Effetti did a little bit better when they kicked him out to right tackle last year. But still, 
I think it's all we can safely say that he isn't quite the long term answer at that particular position. Khalil Herbert kind of surprised some people taking a 217. You had him ranked at 166. This looks like this could be one of the better values on your particular draft board. You know, Bears have Tariq Cohen coming back. They got Damian Williams, you know, the Super Bowl hero, and they have David Montgomery. What do you like a lot about Khalil Herbert and how do you think he can help? Yeah, so at the very least, I think Khalil Herbert brings upside as a kick returner. And I feel like that's something the Bears are going to need now that they don't have Cordero Patterson on the roster. Uh, he's just a quick twitched athlete who's so fluid. He's quick in his first step. Once he sees a hole, he's patient with it, but he can really burst through. And he makes those subtle moves look so easy. He's just so fluid in the way that he moves, which, you know, makes him a legitimate home run threat, regardless of, you know, that defenses are going to have to pay attention to. Now, I do feel like there's still a bit to prove as a pass catcher, uh, but I feel like this is a very good pick for the Bears. At the very least, he's a solid rotational back. You know, best case, he's a guy who can provide a legit one-two punch with David Montgomery, and I say that thinking that the Bears are going to use Tariq Cohen a bit more as a pass catcher this year. Now, whether that's going to be true, I'm not so sure, but the fact they brought in Damian Williams, the fact they drafted Khalil Herbert, uh, they're a lot deeper at the running back position now than they were this time last year. So you have a guy like Tariq Cohen coming off of an injury might be a better idea to just, you know, slowly ease him into the offense, use him as a punt returner heavily, but also have him play out of the slot, have him catch passes out of the backfield. When it comes to running the football, I feel like we might see a bit more of Damian Williams. Uh, I don't know about Khalil Herbert, but I feel like there is a role in the offense for him. And I think down the line, he should step into a solid role uh, for the Bears for sure. Yeah, I, I find it I find it interesting that, you know, philosophically, I like what the Bears are doing, where on one sense, you know, let's just say, you know, knock on wood, David Montgomery, you know, almost, you know, in training camp, almost went down with an injury, right? Had the groin issue. Luckily, he was able to come back and he played almost every single game. It was amazing. But, you know, if he goes down, you're not necessarily just leaning on Tariq Cohen. You're going to have to do that by a committee situation. So building up that depth is really important. And to Tariq Cohen, I completely agree with you. I love watching him, but he's almost just like, I don't know. He's like a bag of Doritos or like orange popcorn or something. Really good the first couple of bites, but you can eat too much. Yeah. You can be on the field a little bit too much. You can overexpose him a little bit, and it takes away his potency. So I hope they can get a little bit smarter with how they kind of pick and parcel how they bring Tariq Cohen out. And I think Damian Williams and drafting a guy like Khalil Herbert, hopefully is going to be that type of um, situation that's going to allow them to do that. Number at 221, uh, 155 on your board. Another great value in your eyes. Great name. Also, maybe some punt returning capabilities. Talk to us a little bit about Daz Newsom. Yeah, so Daz Newsom, I feel like, is an example of a guy who didn't test as well as he looked on tape. Uh, some people might be worried because like, oh, we ran like a five, a four, five something. I don't remember exactly what the number was, but his numbers in terms of testing at his pro day weren't great, but his tape is just so much fun to watch, man. And I feel like every time he gets the ball in his hands, he's sudden with his movements. He can change direction. Well, uh, very tough to stop. Once he gets out in the open field, you can kind of utilize him on those bubble screens. You utilize him on quick slants out of the slot, uh, jet sweeps, end arounds, what have you. I feel like there's a lot of ways you can use Daz Newsom. And he has that experience as a punt returner too, which, I mean, I don't think he's going to take over Tariq Cohen, uh, especially not right away. But with that in mind, though, I do feel like there's potential with him on the offensive side of the ball and on special teams. That If he's a quality special teams contributor in the sixth round, then that's a pretty good investment. Like, because – a lot of those late round guys, they fizzle out of the league. So if you can even get a quality special teams contributor out of the sixth round, that's good. But I do think there is a role on offense for Daz Newsom early on. I don't know exactly how much he'll be used. I feel like we'll see a lot more of him on special teams, but I think there's potential for him. And I think Matt Nagy, he's going to have some opportunities to kind of move him around and, you know, utilize some of that quick twitched athleticism that he brings. Yeah, special teams is probably going to be the way for him to crack uh, on Sundays those first couple of weeks. And, 
We'll see what happens with Riley Ridley. We'll see what happens with Anthony Miller coming into camp. You know, one of those guys is definitely on notice. We'll sort of see what happens there. I do want to ask you because the Bears hit on Darnell Mooney last year in the fifth round. Um, super excited to see him if he can take the next step. I really think he's a, a smart enough player route running wise. And I think he had so many opportunities last year that where the quarterback just couldn't get the ball into his hands. Really excited to watch him. In terms of Daz Newsom, I heard something really interesting and I wanted to ask you about it. So Daniel Jeremiah on NFL.com, I heard him with this take where when it comes to wide receivers and an evaluation, the margin for the difference between a third rounder, a first rounder, a third rounder, and a fifth rounder is a lot closer than maybe, you know, some other positions. You know, we were talking offensive tackle where wide receivers sometimes they could have the same production. They could flash the exact same on the tape. And sometimes it just comes down to, as you said, those tests, those physical traits. Do you feel like maybe that is kind of sort of the story with Daz Newsom, where maybe he is a third or fourth round type talent, but he just didn't test very well at the combine? Yeah, I feel like that's definitely possible. Uh, I honestly had him around like that fourth, fifth round range. Hmm. Uh, that's just where I roughly had him. So to get him in late round six is, you know, very good value in my opinion. Uh and you also keep in mind, you know, he was fighting for touches with Deami Brown. Maybe he didn't have as much of an opportunity to showcase his stuff. And I do feel like there's some room to improve as a route runner in terms of just pure technical ability. But the raw athleticism's there, the the intelligence to make smart cuts in the open field with the ball in his hands are there, which makes me feel like, you know, sure, it's a different game uh, in terms of identifying soft spots in zone coverage and uh, altering your routes to create separation and man, uh, as opposed to just, you know, evading defenders after the catch. But I feel like the tools are there for Daz Newsome to be a solid rotational weapon. Uh, and again, I, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be the guy out of the slot going forward, but I feel like there's potential for him to play a role. And again, with those late round picks, that's all you're asking for more or less any more than that is, you know, incredible. But yeah, I think that Daz Newsom has the potential to really turn some heads in a lot of different varieties. And you're exactly right. I feel like a lot of those late round receivers have shown up. They've well outdone their draft status. I feel like especially receivers and running backs are pretty uh, smart investments like layer late on day three, because so many of them seem to hit so many of them, you know, either crack the roster and worst case, you just have another special teams guy, which again, not too bad. Yeah. And he's coming, he's coming into a great spot and it's just going to be up to him to see if he can progress and evolve and take what the coaches, you know, give him and see what he can do with it. Because I I'm a big firm believer and I've been saying it for a while is, you know, if you look back to 2018, what has been the one thing that's really been missing from this offense the whole time is that Taylor Gabriel aspect, not the guy Allen Robinson getting those seven, eight, nine catches a game, not the secondary receiver who's taking the heat off of Allen Robinson. It's kind of that third guy, whether you want to call him the slot or call him the X or the Y, whatever. It's that third guy, Taylor Gabriel, his three catches for 65 yards were some of the most like important, you know, yards of the game, which is so funny. And ever since they weren't able to replicate that or have someone fill his role, I feel like the offense really, really suffered from that point on. Guys like Daz Newsom, Damian Bird, who knows, even Marquise Goodwin. Whoever that is, they need to find that. They were hoping it was Ted Ginn Jr. last year. Well, how did that go? Uh, but they're really trying to find that role, and I think that might be also maybe the key to unlocking some of the offense that we we knew and fell in love with in 2018. A couple guys left, 228. Thomas Graham Jr., cornerback, you had him at 161 on your board. Um, I was talking to um, I was talking to David Hall from 670 The Score. This is his favorite value in the draft a guy who's a three-year starter who opted out um, talk about him. Do you think he could pro perhaps, you know, see some reps actually on the field, maybe in September? You know, I think there's a strong chance for it. Uh, and those are pretty lofty expectations, but I do think that with where the bears are at right now, especially at the cornerback position, which honestly, if I'm looking at this roster right now, corner might be the biggest weakness going forward. Uh which I don't necessarily love, but I do think that Thomas Graham Jr. was a really good value there. Uh, he can play inside or outside. I honestly like him better than the nickel, which the Bears have Duke Shelley there. Uh, I don't know if they want to put Kendall Wilder there because they played him a lot outside. And I think it remains to be seen if, okay, is Kendall Wilder 
truly going to be an outside corner or do they just put him there out of necessity because guys went down with injury? So I think that remains to be seen, but I like Thomas Graham as a guy who can compete for that starting nickel spot. Uh, he's intelligent. He's fluid. I think he's really patient and letting a route develop and then, you know, identifying it and jumping on it. Uh, good ball production. I think his ball skills and just how he reads a quarterback's progressions really impressive to me. Is and, he necessarily yeah, the you maybe got a little chip on his shoulder too, as well, or maybe a guy, if you, you know, all things considered, you know, maybe if he played last year, maybe he'd be looking at more third, fourth round value. Yeah, absolutely. I think that third, fourth round would probably be where he'd end up if he was able to play again in 2020. Uh, and a big thing that I noticed about him is how well he performed at the senior bowl, uh, you know, going down there in mobile this year, I was able to notice that the one-on-ones are really uh the odds are stacked against cornerbacks because there's no pass rush to put pressure on the QB to get, you know, the, the ball out at a certain amount of time. Uh, they have the whole field to work with. So receivers can kind of do that whole backyard thing where they just run around and make several cuts or whatever. You can't uh, guard a guy after five seconds, four or five seconds, the guy's going to get open. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but Thomas Graham did a very good job against that. He was really sticky uh, intelligent, could read a receiver's movement super well. I was really impressed with what he brought to the table at the Senior Bowl, and that showed up on tape too. So my guess is the Bears did see some of that at you know down in Mobile being there as well as having the chance to watch him on film. Uh, there's a lot to like with him and maybe doesn't have the highest you know physical ceiling uh, in terms of size and like long speed. I feel like he did struggle a little bit there, but at the cornerback position, what's more important than pure long speed is just sharpness and sideline to sideline, just changing direction quickly, which he does very well. So I think that's what's most important at the corner position, and he does it well, and he's intelligent and he's sound, and I think that there's a chance that he gets some serious playing time going forward. Uh, maybe even to right, you know, right off the bat, I could see him uh, playing quite a bit. Quick breakdown on uh, Kyrus Tunga, pronunciation check if I got that wrong, and also give maybe one uh, UDFA, one undrafted free agent that you were like, hey, this is an interesting pickup because let's be honest, in the NFL, not with every team, but you know these undrafted free agents, they find a spot. They find a spot on these rosters, and they can definitely play roles, Bears fans, in the coming season. Yeah, so with Kyrus Tonga, that That's is right. A- All right. Got it. You got it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had to confirm that because I was uh, I was on a podcast, you know, relatively quickly after the draft. And I'm like, wait, is it Kieris? Is it what? How do I pronounce it? It's Kyrus Tonga. Yeah, uh, the Bears. Uh, I'm sorry, the Bulls president, like Karnasovas. I've heard like Karnishovas. I've heard all. So I just say, hey, I just kind of bail on it now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Tonga brings a lot to the table that I like and. I'm not going to be an advocate for letting go of Eddie Goldman or by any means, because I like him a lot. And I feel like when he's healthy, you know, he's healthy, he's out on the field. He's a very good, efficient, nose tackle. But the fact of the matter is they're paying him a lot of money uh, that when he's on the field, he's only playing like half of snaps. So, and you have an opportunity to free up significant cap space Sure, Tonga is a seventh round pick, and I I get he's already like what 24, 25 or something because he served some time with his uh Latter-day Saints uh church mission. Uh but there's a lot to like with him. I feel like he's stout, he's strong at the point of attack, does a very good job of churning his legs once he's locked up with guys and then just pushing the pocket back. I feel like his hands as a pass rusher could improve, but he's just so explosive and converts speed to power so well that he can push the pocket there and just generate pressure, which is all you can ask for really with a nose tackle as a pass rusher. Uh, He's intelligent as a run defender, does a good job of holding up a block and knowing, okay, he's going to run this side. I'm going to shed him to the opposite side and then make a play or, you know, vice versa, just go the opposite way. He can read very well. And he's so strong to the point where he can just overwhelm guys physically, even if he's not the longest guy or the tallest guy out there. Uh, I like that a lot in his game. I think he brings a lot of run stuffing value and the first step quickness he brings too. Obviously, I don't think he's an elite athlete in space for an interior defensive lineman, but in a vacuum, he's a good athlete with who's quick off the ball. 
He's quick to engage with the center and especially for a center when you have a little bit of a delay in, you know, getting out of your stance because you're focused on snapping. Uh, you know, that makes all the difference in the world, really. So you get a guy like Kairos Tonga who's powerful, who's explosive. I'm not going to set my expectations up super high because, again, seventh-round pick. But if all goes well with his development and he makes some improvements in terms of pad level and diversifying his arsenal a little bit, I think he could be a starting nose tackle. That I think that's his ceiling. Maybe not an elite one, but I think a solid enough one to the point where you can say, okay, you know, we're getting this guy for super cheap and he's good. Uh, we can let Eddie Goldman go and invest in other positions that play a bit more often on the field. And again, that's no diss at all to Eddie Goldman. He's a really good football player. But at a certain point, positional value and financials have to play into it. And I think if Tonga pans out and he plays up to his potential, that could be in the cards a year or two from now. That's a great point because I was just about to say, Bears fans, if you don't really see him a lot on the field next year, don't freak out and call him a bust and also begin to wrap your head around the fact that I think that this defense is going to be in, not next year, we're going to keep all the, we're going to get the band back together. We're going to go after it. But then after next year, I think we're going to see some pretty sweeping change. I think we're going to see a lot of transitions. I think next year's draft is probably going to lean towards the defense. If I could just take a random guess right now, the Danny Trevathans, the Akeem Hickses of the world, they got to get younger. They got to start moving some of these pieces out. So the hope is Tonga can maybe be a guy, as you said, two years from now, maybe even three, you know, becomes a role, becomes like a, what, a Brett Urban type, a guy that can come in in situations, provide that explosiveness that you talked about, and, you know, maybe make an impact on the Bears, you know, in the near future. I'm sure that's at least what Ryan Pace is hoping for. One UDFA that you like. Yeah, uh, there, there are a handful that I actually was able to watch and know a little bit about, but the big name for me is Charles Snowden, uh, the linebacker edge rusher out of Virginia uh out of Virginia, straight up. Yeah. I was going to say Virginia tech for a second, but yeah, then I realized he's a, you know, Virginia guy, but if he didn't suffer a season ending injury near the end of 2020, I think we're talking about him as a fourth, fifth round pick. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because. And is this, not, is this it, it, if you could take a guess, is he, is he built for the three, four? Is he a little bit more maybe like a Danny Trevathan type too that goes sideline to sideline? What kind of what kind of um, game does he bring to the field? Yeah, so I honestly projected him as a four three outside linebacker, uh, someone who can a, a strong side guy who can occasionally rush the passer, drop back into coverage, and like those multiple front sort of defenses. But I feel like the potential's there for him to drop back as a three four outside linebacker rushing off the edge because. He's super long. He's, you know, 6'6", six, six, uh, a little bit more than that, about 240, 245, super long arms. He's also very athletic, quick off the ball, moves laterally really well, insane tackling radius. That's another thing that shows up to me is just with those long arms and how well he moves side to side, it's very tough for there to be a play that's really out of reach for him. Uh, and yeah, I think that he's a bit skinny in his lower half. And if he's going to be an edge rusher full time, then I do think he'll need to bulk up a little bit, get a little bit stronger. Uh, but potential's there. I feel like athletically, very good. He can drop back in coverage too, which we kind of saw the Bears utilize Leonard Floyd in that role a bit because mm -hmm. Floyd is one of the best coverage edge rushers in the league. Uh, and even though he didn't necessarily put up elite production with the Bears, he was really good in coverage in terms of that edge rusher position. I think Snowden also brings very good coverage value uh, in terms of that edge rusher spot. Uh, yeah, just the length, the athleticism, he was productive in college, uh, showcased great quickness off the edge and some flashes of speed to power. There's definitely potential there. And I'm not going to say this is the type of guy who's going to have a huge impact on defense right away. I think that if he makes the team, he'll play mostly on special teams, uh, which in and of itself is a really good investment because he's huge and he's super athletic. And you get a guy like that chasing down on, you know, kickoff coverage or what have you. That's a guy you want to have out there. 
but I feel like there's a strong chance that he fights for a play a uh, roster spot. Uh, and I could definitely see him making it come week one in September. Cause outside of, you know, you got Travis Gibson and Jeremiah Atuchu, Atuachu. I need to figure out how to say yes, that. I, I watch you. Yeah. <laughs> I watch, yeah. Uh, they have those guys, but if they want to really add a fifth edge rusher, I don't really see anyone that could fit that bill. Like James Vauders was solid, but we saw him get, you know, solid enough playing time and he didn't really do a ton with it. You have Ladarius Mack in there, but is he really the kind of guy who can make the active roster? I don't think so. I think Charles Snowden has a higher athletic physical ceiling than either of those guys. So if they want to carry five edge rushers on that roster this year to back up Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, I feel like Snowden stands a really good chance of making the team. And for all the reasons that Bears fans are justified to criticize Ryan Pace for the moves that he's made over the last couple of years, you can't really knock his late round draft finds. I mean, they've done some of their best work in the fourth, fifth, sixth round area, and even in the UDFA area in these past couple of seasons. So that's why, you know, I think some of these Bears fans are like, you know, who the heck are these guys? We'll get to know them because there's a chance that at least one of these dudes is probably going to be able to ascend and play some sort of role. Maybe not, you know, through 16, 17 games next year, but maybe get a little bit of a taste in the season after that. They might become important pivotal roles on this Bears team that now has Justin Fields at quarterback and hopefully, you know, is now trending in the right direction towards not just getting to the playoffs, but becoming a real true threat in the NFC again. The Windy City Gridirons, Jacob Bafonte, thank you so much for joining the pod again. Great to see you, my friend. Hope you can come back again soon. Please, before you go, just tell the listeners uh, your Twitter handle or anything else you'd like to plug or promote to let people uh, read and hear your good work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so y'all can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Infante 24 That's uh, Jacob, I-N-F-A-N-T. E24. Uh, you can check out my, you know, written work as well as some podcasting stuff over at Windy City Gridiron, uh, where I do a lot of Bears-related content. You know, I'm the lead draft analyst there, so I've been pretty busy with pumping out draft content there the past uh, couple weeks, especially, uh, and I'm going to continue to do so in these, you know, weeks that are kind of following this draft here. And I also do stuff over at Draft Wire with USA Today, so. That's where you guys can find me, Joey. Thank you so much again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Dude, man, it's been my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for making us a little bit smarter with your knowledge, dude. Hope we can do it again soon. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This is Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, Canaan Sunglasses, and Just Live CBD. Make sure you check out all those wonderful products. And we're trying to help you with some great deals with those products as well. So check it out. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. We got a couple more coming. Got great stuff coming next week. But until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.